0: Hey all, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. I'm Padgett here out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, somewhere hunkered away outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Rob Ryerson, some great artwork again behind you, Rob. Nice, nice backdrop and good haircut. Hey, if you're not, if you're only listening right now, boy, you're missing a, you're missing a real shine. You're losing weight, you got great artwork, you got a good hairdo. Are you you running for office, Rob? What's, uh, what's going on here? Uh,
1: You know, uh, no, we... You know, we brought some new furniture into our home, which I, I don't know if, if, if this ever to happens to you, Doug. Um, you know, I grew up in a house where um, m- my mom uh, figured out the way she wanted the furniture in the house. <sighs> and it never moved. And that was that. It, yeah, That was that. I mean, uh, and so I married someone um, very, very different from my mother. <laughs> mm. <laughs> married someone who uh, just periodically will... Uh, move all the furniture just to see what happens okay um, and uh, and so we got some we we had some new furniture added uh, to our home and that necessitated a, a switching around and- <laughs> of <laughs> everything okay um, and so uh, our dining room moved into the living room okay the living room moved into the office. Yeah, okay. And the office uh moved into the dining room. So, uh, wow. You know, that's why I don't have like, you know, a wall of books behind me anymore. That's now in the living room. And uh so I have this big piece of art yeah. done by my eldest child who it's uh Lovely. we went to Chicago this weekend to see their Bachelor of Fine Arts show. Um, as they were finishing up at the school at the Art Institute of okay. Chicago. So, yeah. And I got a haircut because I needed a haircut.
0: You did. It looks great. Looking sharp. Looking uh, looking yeah. sharp and clean. Ready for our Tuesday conversation about politics. And, uh, you That's, know, it's funny you say that, though, about your furniture. Shelly and I, she said, uh, Shelly's the person I've been married to for a very long time, and she said, I think I want to update our furniture here in this family room. She said, in fact, I'd like to change the carpet. And I said, yeah, we've... Um, Somehow we had a conversation about how long we've had the carpet. Hmm. And she's apparently right about this, that it's uh, 22 years. 20, 22 years. And I was like, yeah, it still wow. looks great. Uh, I think the walls are painted the same color for the last 15 years. Uh, our couch is something like that. And I'm like, man, we are clearly those people. You know, you, you just get yeah. to a certain age and it doesn't seem like it's been that long. Because I remember when we put the carpet in, so it can't be 22 years ago. Uh, That was just the other night. Now I I walk in that room and I'm just like, get this carpet out of here. I'm just ready to rip it out myself. I can't (laughs) live with it any longer. Will you rip it out yourself or Rats? you...
1: Hire some folks to do it.
0: I have torn out so much carpet in my life um, in properties we've lived in. I've owned rental properties. I grew up in an apartment complex, where my parents were the managers, and my, part of my summer jobs and sort of summer jobs. What am I talking about the the right that I had to live in my parents' apartment with them? Was that I had to work, um, which is a very good thing. I ripped out. I mean, I was ten years old, eleven years old when I learned how to rip out carpet, and. Uh, a little secret that a lot of people don't know how easy it is to just grab the corner with a little pair of pliers and pull up that first bit and you can rip up some carpet. And uh, I had some friends that I grew up with that I should not have told them that because, well, sometimes kids just tear up carpet, you know, like in their room (laughs) (laughs) can really cause a kerfluffle. Well, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like when we talk about politics around here, we're talking about some of that same sort of thing. Like, what do we got to do to update this thing? It's been the same way for 22 years. Can we make it... uh, can we make it a little, a little different? And today we're going to get to talk to somebody who wants to be the lieutenant governor of the great state of Arkansas. So that's going to be a great TikTok influencer, Kelly Kraut, uh, is going to, be, uh, going to be joining us. And frankly, I mean, I want to talk to you about her campaign, but also just like the whole lieutenant governor thing it's oh, it something I have. Uh, we have one here, uh, uh, Peggy Flanagan. She's great. I've, I know her. I've been to things with her. I have no idea what a lieutenant governor. Like it's kind of like a vice president, but maybe not really, because yeah. maybe you run on your own. And anyway, a whole yeah. thing that I feel like are the, the governor lieutenant governor dealio for a lot of people is a mysterious black box. So I think it'll be quite interesting to you know catch her uh, catch up on her and see yeah. if we can get some people turned on to what she's what she's up to.
1: Absolutely, and uh, Kelly's one of my favorites, so uh, I'm excited about her being on the uh, on the podcast with us.
0: Hey, we should also note that. Uh, there was a an incident, an attack, uh, shooting, mm. uh, bombing, some kind of thing happened in Brooklyn, New York today in a subway. I was just seeing the news about that before we started this conversation, so maybe even by now more information is out. Doesn't sound like yeah. a lot of people were killed, but. There, were, uh, there was somebody who shot people in the legs and tried to set off, set off a smoke bomb of some kind, wore a gas mask, like the kind of thing that just you know, terrifies yeah. all of us um, yep. in, in yep. any city, but especially in, in New York, and especially in the yeah. subway. It just feels like, boy, that's a, that is an environment that is just ripe for real disaster. And I'm glad no one has um, attacked it before in, in you know, really devastating ways. Yeah. So, whatever's going on there. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of terrorist attacks, Rob, we didn't uh, get a chance to finish this conversation yesterday, but you know the guys who were arrested for plotting and scheming to kidnap the governor of Michigan, yeah. Governor Whitmer, were um, basically found either not guilty or hung jury uh, of of the crimes of plotting to uh, to, to kidnap her, which. I guess on the face of it, it's good that the judicial system vets out charges against people, and if they're indeed not guilty of crimes that the state has brought against them, they should be found innocent, right? Like, sometimes I think in the political spaces, a lot of us cheer on verdicts that we agree with and we bemoan verdicts (laughs) we disagree with. Mm -hmm. But we should try to have some level of respect for the fact that The way the system works is that police officers arrest and prosecutors indict and judges run a a trial and juries issue a verdict. and, And that's all supposed to keep itself in balance. We shouldn't just assume that if the FBI wants to arrest someone or a prosecutor wants to charge someone that they're necessarily guilty. But this case is a little more complicated than just that. They clearly did some things, but whether or not they were—have you been following this this particular one?
1: I haven't been following it nearly as closely as I probably should have. Because I think I just assumed, oh yeah, these guys are guilty. They're gonna like, you know, I just—I made a bunch of assumptions, probably based on my political bias, biases. That um, you
0: know. Well, apparently they, they did some things, uh, and and this little line here from their defense attorney is is interesting. Uh, if you're yeah. if you're able to see the screen, it, it reads this: defense attorneys portrayed their clients, these these four men, as credulous weekend warriors prone to big wild talk who were often stoned. They said the FBI undercover agents and informants tricked and conjoled the men into agreeing to a conspiracy. So the defense is. These guys, wackadoodles, stoned out of their minds a lot of the time, talking big on social media, talking big when they get with everyone else, they're not actually going to do any of this. And... You know the prosecutor uh, countered that uh, that entrapment claim by saying that they um, had evidence that the men's discussed discussed abducting the governor before the FBI sting even began, and they went beyond talk, including scouting Whitmer's summer home, testing explosives, and uh, you know plotting and scheming. But as it turns out, the jury said, "Look, these guys—they—they uh, they only well They're not guilty of the charges that the prosecutor brought against them. um, Maybe believing that the FBI was um, poking around a little too much and moving these guys along, which I think is kind of interesting in its own right. Um, Mm -hmm. But the idea that some of these people on the internet are weekend warriors, big talkers, and high a lot of the time, you know, and that that's your defense. Hey, we're not really dangerous. We just talk big and we sort of, you know, Uh, Plot and scheme, but we're not actually going to do anything. I get it that that's something someone shouldn't be convicted of if that's not a crime. But the line between that and running up the stairs of the Capitol and attacking the Capitol when the president of the United States instructs you to do so is so thin that you know, beyond the legality of it, I don't know, it feels like that just sort of puts all of us in a bit of, in a bit of danger. You know, you could imagine the governor or any governor or lieutenant governor, as we're going to be talking with Kelly crowd here in a bit and and any elected official feeling really vulnerable that, well, what if the weekend warriors kind of step over the line that one time and do that thing that, well, we hadn't expected they were actually going to do it, but they did, you know, like everybody's at their first time where they engage in, in actions like that?
1: Yeah, I think I would have bought the Big Talk Weekend Warrior uh, defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I would have said, oh, come on, you know, the, oh, right. tough guys with their big pickup trucks, you know, like compensating for something, you know, like those kind, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of mentality that we have to downplay threats and dismiss them and and to convince ourselves that we live in a world of, of relative peace uh, and that we're not constantly in danger. I think I would have bought into all of that. And then January 6th happened. And I mean, that's the, in my mind, that's the thing that changes all the scenarios because all of a sudden the big talk, the political rhetoric of revolution, which, you know, I, I come from very, very progressive political groups that, you know, talk about rev- like revolution language has
0: been yeah, sure. You know, uh, just since in the, the since the revolution, we've been big into yeah, revolution yeah, talk in this country. Been, yeah,
1: you know, it's it's been a normal part of of it. You know, fighting and you know, taking the country back and all of that kind of political rhetoric um, that we would think is all just big talk. January 6th changed the scenario that wait a minute this mm-hmm. might not mm-hmm. just be big talk there there might actually be something to this yeah um and and so that's what is you know I, yeah, I'm the one I, yeah good
0: I, go ahead. I was say, especially if you're somebody in the FBI or you're in some of the groups that are watching these guys to distinguish yeah. as you say you know when the when the when the when the experience has been so intense, it's tough for people uh, to know how to do this. Some people in the chat are making a really good point. You know, these are guys that had assault weapons or assault style Mm -hmm. weapons, legally owned. And again, this is part of the problem in our society is that individual people for their own purposes, for no other explanation at all, can own weapons that are normally used in war contexts. So they can just own them, they can own, they can own all the things to make them be a military. These guys had all of that kind of thing. And as, uh, as Tricia says, the FBI thought that same thing about January 6th, right? They heard this chatter, they heard it going on, they knew the president was talking about it, they gave presidential briefs that they thought danger could happen, but they also thought, but really, these people are not going to do this. You know, They're not gonna step over the line and with no credit to the, you know, the failed presidential candidate and twice impeached former president of the United States, his argument is that couldn't have been our people. I mean, our people yeah. don't actually do stuff like that. I think he's so delusional and so many people who support him are so delusional. They truly still believe that it was Antifa or some other group because they think the way this jury thought these people are not the kind of people that are gonna do these things. Until they do. I mean, that's the funny thing about all of our lives, right? The great heroic stories is who would have known this person could do it, right? That's, we make documentaries about that. You tell stories about that. We write books about people for whom you're like, who knew that this person who had never accomplished this before in their life went off and did this thing? Normally, we only do that when something's wonderful and great. But it's also, wow, I never saw that coming. That that yeah. person, and well, that's mean, what happened on January sixth. And I think it just terrifies our entire system. Now, I, I don't know what we do about it. We, I mean, I, I have some ideas, but you know, they don't fit our country. Like taking guns away from all of us, and just you know, giving everybody a flower—that would be much better than people walking around with guns. Hey, can I tell you? I think is- I almost got robbed yesterday. Can I tell you this story? Oh, tell me this. story. Yeah, so I'm selling. A, I'm selling a a computer, a MacBook, and uh, I put it on on. Facebook Marketplace, which is just a Mm -hmm. den of iniquity, um, that 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 thing. I mean, just how in the world can it be any? Can it not be just full of scammer after scammer? You know, wanting me to ship things and just like just the nonsense around. But anyway, there I am again. You know, as a fool repeating his folly, putting something on Facebook Marketplace because I don't don't know where else to sell the thing. So. this person we agree to meet, we're back and forth in Facebook Messenger, and he says, uh, well, I can meet you at this place in this church, in my, at my church in my parking lot. So I pull up in the parking lot, I message him. He says, okay, what, what car are you in? And I, I tell him what car I'm in. He says, all right, I'm walking over from my house. So this guy walks up, he's got his hood hood pulled up, and I get out, I leave the computer in the car, I get out and meet him in the parking lot. And he kind of looks at me and he looks at me a little sort of squeamish, a little shady. And he says, uh, I said, hey, are you well?" He says, yeah. He said, I'm done. so I shake his hand and it's a little awkward. And I said, do you have the money with you? And he goes, no, and then we're now we're closer to my car. He says, no, no, I, I don't have the money. I, I wasn't sure if you were here to rob me. And I said, are you going to rob me? <laughs> he goes, no. And he, I said, okay, well, you, you want to buy this computer? Know, you don't have the money. What, what are we doing here? And so I'm starting to feel real awkward. You know, Fortunately, we're in the middle of this parking lot. I said, hey, is this your church? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's this church for a whole lot of reasons that I don't think it's this church. And he says, uh, well, okay, then um, I'll call my brother and he'll bring the money over. And I was like, okay, well, if you like thought I was going to rob you, why didn't you bring your brother with you? <laughs> like, So then he kind of turns and walks through the park and starts walking back toward his house like he's on his phone and then just sort of disappears. And I texted him and said, hey, man, I'm totally uncomfortable with this thing. So I don't know what was going on. My read was that I got out of the car, sort of met him in the parking lot, didn't have the computer in my hand. Uh, I'm a bigger person than most. I think I was significantly larger than him. And I think he felt like, Okay, this isn't sort of going the way you know the way I thought, and I'll just sort yeah. of. But it was the weirdest thing where you, he said, "No, I didn't bring the money because I I, wanted, I didn't know if you were going to rob me." I'm like, you uh, you picked the place. It's it, you two weirded
1: each other out, and as a result, didn't. Go through with the transaction you
0: both wanted to go through with. I don't think he wanted he, to go through with it. I mean, yes, the guy showed he up. Saw with
1: you. He thought you were gonna he, as much as he. Right now, he's on a podcast saying to somebody, no, "I, I think kidding. I almost got robbed yesterday. Yeah, there was Sarah. this guy. He was supposed to sell me a computer. He gets out of his car. He doesn't even have the
0: computer." No, I told it, him I told him it's right there. That? I told him it's right there in the truck. No, it was it was
1: Yeah, that's exactly what you would say if you were
0: going to rob <laughs> yes, him. Yes. Um, my point is if you I got a brother somewhere who's got the actual money, you don't not show up just, with that brother when you think you're about to get jumped in a parking lot.
1: He didn't he didn't think he was going to get jumped in the parking lot. He took one look at you and thought this he, guy's going to rob me and claimed he didn't have the money
0: with him. Oh no, I know. He, he he didn't have the money with him. <laughs>
2: Nah, <laughs> no, I, I, I
0: think know. I think the two of you weirded each well, other out well. and, and missed
1: out on a transaction you both wanted to make. No, no,
0: because <laughs> then when I messaged him, like, "Hey, uh, what's going on?" I don't think this is. Gonna, and then it was like, you know, everything was shady. Like his Instagram had yeah. four followers. Like all the things, yeah. all the deals, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and. Um, so no, this was not when, when he picks the place and then doesn't show up with the money and then says, hey, I don't know and then you know uh, and there's a bunch of people around like we're in a parking lot there's people coming in and going to church and coming in and out like it's super sort of safe environment yeah. Uh, the, yeah yeah, I don't think when 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 you're the person that picks that that sets the place, you're not the one that's you know feeling like uh, you're about <laughs> to get you're about to get how drunk. did we get here? Well, I was talking about the weekend warrior guys, oh, and the people, and the people that uh, you know, the people that we should be afraid of. So I raise all of that because in in the city where I live, there's all kinds of carjackings that have been going on. I don't know if you, if you know this, but it's been a real thing. Like people literally just getting in people's cars, opening their doors, ripping them out, and taking their cars. Like that is a thing yeah, going crazy. on. This was in that similar part of town, and. So normally, I mean, I am someone, as you know, like I have zero sensibility that people are going to rob me. I, you know, people are like, be sure to lock your car. And I'm like, oh, oh, sure I will. But like, if you're going to rob my car, you're just gonna break the window, you know? (laughs) Well, you make it harder on people. Like it doesn't make it harder on someone who's prepared to steal your car, (laughs) but I just have an attitude, you know, look, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to go around as if I'm going to be robbed. A little freaked out though, last night driving home, I'm like, holy moly, that was a, that was a to do. That was a, yeah. That was a particular deal, yeah. so i 'm saying that that 's the kind of thing that now I think our whole country is now paying mm-hmm. closer attention to that wow, you came you know we came really close to you know uh, people getting their hands on, a, on an elected official of any variety and causing them physical harm yeah. and then you hear stories about these guys like, well I, I wouldn't have said yes to kidnapping the governor if the FBI informant guy hadn 't tricked me and cajoled me into it. So, but I didn't follow the actual trial, but I think it's indicative of something larger than just, than just this. And that is, you know, yep. the role of, of, of violence uh, is just really something else. Hey, and do you hear that the former failed president had this, uh, you know, he did a conversation uh, with a set of, of uh, historians about their yeah. book that they wrote. Yeah. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, we I just heard an interview this, this morning with the guy who put that book together. Mm. They just did the interview in July. The book is coming out, and he talks about the hour-long Zoom meeting that they have about it, and, uh, <laughs> the, stu- and the stuff that you know uh, Trump is saying on the, in, the, in, in the meeting. And, and he left it. This man left it saying, "Oh, that guy's going to run again. He's clearly mm. bothered that the story is not ending in the way he wants it to, mm. and uh, he needs to get everyone to see it his way." And uh, mm. that that's going to be the thing that ultimately.
1: ultimately
0: what, how does that? How does that strike you? What does that
1: resonate with you? Do you think that's that's an accurate read on mm. on the failed former president?
0: Yeah, I think so. Seems like an accurate read that he wants to. I don't think he can get the apparatus together to pull it off. I think it takes a lot of people, especially you know, not not. Mm the stage where he was before when he's sort of just a random candidate that was going to get a lot of attention, yeah. the scrutiny on him now and trying to get a team together and the number of people who are going to say no. I d-, you know, so I, anyway, I think that the getting from there to like anybody running legitimately for president takes a lot. You know, it uh, mm-hmm. takes a lot to run for lieutenant governor. I'm so glad we're going to talk with Kelly here in a minute, too. But to be able to run for president, I think just takes a lot. My guess is he wants to, and is going to just be raging mad that that he can't, and that uh, he won't be able to get the entire. I mean, do you think Jared and and Ivanka and all the crowd and all those? I mean, he can't go with. I guess he could go with Paul Manafort again. You know, he could pick up somebody. But you think Mark Meadow – Like, think all these people are going to say like, oh no, let's spend another. Six yeah. years Get the of our band lives. Back together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. I think Don
1: Junior. I think you know Don Junior will be the you know will be the one who pushes him towards it because I think Don Junior's got his own his own ambition. But, yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, well as dark I, and apocalyptic look, as that is, we... let's talk about somebody whose election would actually be good for the world. Oh, that's seriously, I, I
1: was just going to say, I cannot wait until we do not talk about these people anymore. Oh my goodness. So listen, as, as folks not know, I, I live here in the state of Arkansas and, uh, and that has, has meant that we've, we've had like a steady stream of Arkansans on, uh, on the podcast to talk about uh, what's going on. Um, And I have found that uh, we have like these just really wonderful hidden gems here in the, uh, the diamond state. Ooh, you like, you like that hidden gemstones, hidden (laughs) righteous gemstones or something like that here in, in Arkansas. And uh, you know, we've, we've met Chris Jones, who's, who's running for governor Um, and, you know, we have a little quirk here in Arkansas where uh, we actually elect our lieutenant governor uh, separate. It's not like a ticket where the person running for governor picks who their running mate is going to be. We actually elect our lieutenant governor. And uh, and our guest today is uh, Kelly Kraut, who's running for lieutenant governor, one of my favorites uh, you know, of, of people that I've met who's running around the country. And uh, I don't know, Producer Dan, why don't we start with the... Uh, Start with the video to uh, introduce Kelly a little bit and then we'll talk with it.
2: Hi, I'm Kelly Kraut and I'm running for Lieutenant Governor. Ugh, another campaign ad? Why? Because Arkansas deserves leaders who are willing to do the right thing, even when it's hard. I'm running because whether we like it or not, policy impacts all of us. And I also believe most people want what's best for families. We just don't always agree on what that looks like. My family fostered for a while because we wanted to help families and children. When we couldn't take in any more kids, I went back to school to study social work to be able to help more families. When I started learning about social work policy, I decided I really wanted to get involved. That's why I'm running for lieutenant governor. Wait, aren't you that lady with like 16 kids? Seven actually, but it's made me wildly efficient. That's like a whole team. And we work together like one, which reminds me, I have absolutely no patience for bad sportsmanship and we're seeing a lot of that in politics right now. I'm Kelly Kraut, and I'm running for lieutenant governor
0: because I'll never stop fighting for my family or yours. Hey, that's a great ad. Kelly, congratulations. <laughs> so glad to have you on.
2: Thank you. Uh,
0: and uh, look, uh, uh, we're foster parents. My wife and I were foster parents. Ended up adopting some, uh, two of the boys that we, we fostered. Uh, Rob's an adoptive parent, so you're in, you're in uh, shared company yeah. here. Awesome. Uh, with, uh, awesome. With, with all okay. of this. All right, well, we ask everyone who runs, um, well, first of all, thank you for running. Thanks for putting yourself out there. What was the pathway for you? What, What got you from that moment that you're sitting there finishing or working on that social work degree to then somewhere, somehow saying, you know, maybe I should run for office. And of any office, I'm going to run for the lieutenant governor of of Arkansas. What 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 was that path?
2: Well, that's a fair that's a fair question, and it was kind of a, a strange path, as as many probably are. So, this is my second campaign. I also ran for state representative in the last cycle, and the way that that kind of popped up, I was in my graduate program and sitting in a social work policy class, and just you know, realizing, gosh, policy really impacts everybody and it's impacting a lot of groups of people way more than other groups of people. And at that time, I was seeing people pop up running for office that just did not share my values. And so I reached out to my county party on Facebook and I was like, "Hey, who's running in district 90?" And they were like, "No one. You want to do it?" And I was like, "Cool, sure." So I just really jumped in with both feet um, trying to figure out as I went. Yeah. And and it was kind of it was kind of exciting and then of course the pandemic happened and we were trying to figure out I was trying to learn how to be a candidate in the first place and then how to be a candidate during a pandemic mm-hmm. and Nobody knew how to campaign in a pandemic. And so I decided to go kind of rogue and wanted to meet people where they were and where they were was at home on their phones. And so I did a lot of social media campaigning and built kind of a a following and people who were excited about government for the first time. And we did not win that race, obviously, but we did move the needle pretty substantially. And so when time came to decide what to run for this time, I did want to run again. I wanted to use my skill set the best possible for the party, the best possible for the state of Arkansas. Where was I going to make the most sense? And so I was asked about lieutenant governor. And the more I thought about that, the more I thought this might be. This might be a good fit, and so statewide's a, a tad different beast uh, than a local mm-hmm. local. But we're we're having a good time, and I feel like there's a lot of momentum behind the campaign.
0: And and what's the process of the election now? Are you in a primary? Do you have other elections before November? What what's the what's the calendar look like?
2: Right. No, I don't have a primary. Uh, there was no one else in the Democratic Party running. However, mm-hmm. there are six Republicans that are running for Lieutenant Governor and an independent. So it's kind of a crowded primary. Over there, so uh, that's that's going to be interesting. But my kids like to joke. I've got a buy to the finals, so I will be <laughs> on your wallet in November.
0: You're yeah. clearly a sports fan. You've got the yeah, uh, we love it. Yeah. So Kelly, can we
1: can we talk about like what a lieutenant governor does? Like, is this? I, I just have like visions of Veep in my head. Of you know, <laughs> at, like what what does a lieutenant governor do?
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of people have that question and most people don't know it. And that's totally fine. So the Lieutenant governor serves as a vice president pretty much with the limit, you know, uh, solely with the purpose of if the governor dies or resigns, they would become <laughs> the governor the next day. And here in Arkansas, we've seen that happen. That's about where the similarities of vice president end. They also would serve as they would preside over the Senate. So would provide a tie breaking vote. Now we don't see a lot of ties in the Senate here in Arkansas, but in theory, That could happen. Um, I like to kind of joke that lieutenant governor has like first lady vibes to it. A lot of lieutenant governors kind of pick a cause Mm -hmm. and run with it because it's the second highest executive leadership position in the state. You really do have a big platform to be able to speak about important issues. And so that's that's really a big part of what drew me to the office, because I feel like that's something that I excel
0: at. So you you got excited about running for office. It sounds like like you ran and you thought, Hey, this is actually something I want to do. And I want to run again. A lot of people say I ran for office and it's like the first time I ran a marathon. It's a one and done. And I'm never doing that again. It sounds like you got the bug and said, Hey, I like this. And I, and I want to engage with people and I want to offer myself toward service in, In politics, what 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 is it about running that you liked enough to say, well, let's look for another chance to run again?
2: It's a, I guess I'm kind of a glutton for punishment because it is it is really hard. It's a lot of work. I also feel like I need to acknowledge the elephant in the room that yes, I am hanging out under a bunk bed. My dishwasher is running downstairs, and my husband's working from home, so this was the quietest spot in my house. (laughs) I don't (laughs) usually decorate. Lights up. Anyway ignore that but yeah I just I got a lot of energy I like to choose to do things that bring me energy that I enjoy I love talking to voters I love getting people involved in a process that they have seen as not accessible to them I think politics has moved in a direction of seeming well one really nasty and we need kind decent humans in the arena and then two very elite people think well I'm not qualified I don't know enough to be involved I don't know how to contact so and so And so I've spent a lot of time on my platform making it as accessible as possible. Like there's no dumb questions. Like people, people are like, Oh, what's a primary? Like, okay, no problem. We can talk about what a primary is because you don't know until you know. So I just do a lot of answering questions and getting people involved. And when people do not feel intimidated by it and when people find somebody relatable that they like involved in it, they want to get involved in it. And Arkansas really is not great on political engagement. We're worst in voter turnout. We're worst in voter registration. And so we're really working to change that by targeting different demographics and making it, making it a little bit more fun. Honestly, it doesn't all have to be terrible.
0: Did you know a lot about politics yourself before sending off that fateful Facebook message to the political party?
2: Um, I had been paying a little, I'd been paying more attention a few years prior to that, but I will very much admit to have been pretty politically apathetic in my early Mm -hmm. twenties. And, you know, a good chunk of my little adult life. And I see now the privilege in that. Some of these policy things were not impacting me in the way that they are impacting other people. And then once I started paying attention, I'm kind of an all in or all out kind of person. Like once I knew a little, I was like, oh, I really, I need to know more mm-hmm. about what's going mm-hmm. on here. And then I wanna help other people know more about what's going on here. And what held me back was it seemed too overwhelming. And so I'm trying to make it less overwhelming. Oh,
1: that's great. Yeah. Kelly, I, the, the scenario I just keep imagining in my head, and I don't know if it amuses me or terrifies me, and that is, you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm all in for Chris Jones. Uh, you know, as, as folks who listen to the podcast know, I mean, I've got a Chris Jones sign in my yard right outside. I'm, I'm all in for Chris. I, I, I want nothing more than for him to be our governor here in Arkansas. Uh, but we do elect. Our lieutenant governor here in Arkansas, as opposed to electing a ticket. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a scenario in which Sarah Huckabee Sanders could be the governor, and you could be the lieutenant governor. Have you have you spent any time with that scenario? And uh, I. I, You're you're like. (laughs) <laughs> How would that work?
2: Yeah, this is actually a question I get a lot and and I, I love answering it because I, I think it could be really I think it could be really interesting. I do agree we've got some fantastic candidates for governor and I, I would like to see things go uh, that way as well. but it is Arkansas and the, and it's set up very uniquely. But I have a unique ability somehow to 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 bring in some republic I had a lot of Republican voters last time who were like, you're the first mm-hmm. Democrat that I've ever. Voted for, and I think I I come off maybe pretty moderate. I don't necessarily consider myself super moderate. However, I think policy would be so. But I, I think I have a potential to bring in some voters that would vote for both. Sarah Huckabee Sanders and for me. I had a bunch of Trump proud voters in the last one. It's, it's, it's fascinating. But I used to be very, very conservative. I've, mm-hmm. I've only, you know, in the past 10, 15 years moved more to the other end of the spectrum. And so I very much understand how how conservatives think. Um, I very much thought when I when I thought more that way, I'm doing the most loving, accepting thing by thinking this way and supporting these policies. And it wasn't until I was around people that were not like me, who were not also benefiting from the privilege that I was experiencing, that I realized, oh wait, maybe I need to rethink this. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in that space, I wasn't doing that in a malicious manner. I really thought I was doing the right thing. And so I think it makes me pretty approachable as far as, mm-hmm. hey, you know, I'm really conservative, but I want to talk about what, what you think. And, you know, maybe, maybe I could mellow her out, like just a, just to <laughs> keep the hair. Um, I think we could bring some interesting balance where a bunch of the clash comes in is we're never going to agree on abortion, for example, you're just not going to get people to agree. We should be able to agree on how can we prevent unplanned pregnancies. So if we can step back and look at the proactive part, we can often agree there. And I think that's where we can bridge a lot of the divides. So hopefully I could get her talking about uh, being proactive rather than reactive.
0: You know, Kelly, I appreciate that so much. And our theory around here is that a lot of voters vote for the person and not Mm -hmm. just the party. But then there's a lot of people who who do vote for the party. And- in a lot of the conversations that we have with kinds of voters that you're going to need to connect with, they have a really hard time thinking about voting for a Democrat because in their minds, mm-hmm. it's just a bridge so far, you know, and they would say like, how could I vote for somebody that w- wants to harm babies or something like this? Right. And, and the people like me say, boy, I feel like this next elections are about the choice between a democracy and autocracy, you know, and like the people that support violent revolutionary takeovers of the Capitol on January 6th are not the kind of people that are just like, we're having a policy dispute here and we're on different sides. What I'm saying is it just gets ratcheted up so much, right? We all kind of feel that. And you've put yourself into the political center in the middle of all of that. How, How do you, how do you think about the the sort of feelings that exist around all of this and and sort of your own thought that, boy, uh, we have we have a political movement in this country, this kind of authoritarian political movement that doesn't feel like it's just Republicans or Democrats or something. It's this other force. Do, do you think right. about that at all? Or what's, what's going on with your... And because Absolutely. you're the person That's- you might be running sort of on a ticket, you know, or could win with, is somebody who's okay. associated with the Trump. Uh, administration very deeply and she carried the water for them and, and did a lot of that work herself. So it just feels like my goodness we're in this moment that feels so different.
2: Right. And and it can be overwhelming and I think part of what we've got to do is zoom out and realize part of this is a voter engagement problem because the way that we have gotten in such extreme mm. politics in Arkansas is because people are winning their elections and primaries. They're going unopposed. We have our most intense, our most involved voters, sometimes our most extreme voters showing up in the primary. So the most extreme candidate wins. And then sometimes we've got a fella that just says, I'd like to be the state Senator and he signs up and nobody even primaries him. So people aren't even having to vote this person in. And if you're winning in the primary, you're being elected by what, like 8% of the electorate in your district. So we've got to, we got to zoom out and we got to fix that problem first. Um, as far as some of the other, with the more, with the more extreme stuff, I think just being able to always zoom out and talk about the prevention uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought on your actual, your actual question. Go yeah, back just to saying, the last you've you've put you
0: yourself into this environment yeah. when you know that people oh, yeah. are saying to you, you can't support those like the, we're not in a place where these folks are workable, you know, on both sides. Like it's just become Bye. so heated that way.
2: And there are, there are always going to be people that you just can't have civil conversation with. But that's another big part of why I want to be in this race is to, to bring some civility back to politics. What I think is interesting and kind of refers back to what I was saying, like somehow I come off a little bit more moderate than I am, is that because I can kind of see both sides, even if I don't agree with both sides, I can understand sometimes where people are coming from. And, you know, I've done some of these things that like the, the hardcore anti-abortion crowd would say, well, have you done this, this and this? Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, I have. Actually, <laughs> right. and then people who were like, "Oh, well, well, what about guns?" I'm like, "I'm a gun owner. Like, we've got a we got a gun safe. We've got a ton of guns." Like, I'm these the things I'm suggesting wouldn't impact responsible gun owners. So, some of the more hot topic issues, I'm just very comfortable talking about. And a lot of times, people don't even understand what Democrats think about those issues. Mm-hmm. I found a lot when I was advocating against some of the anti-trans bills in the last uh, legislative session. People don't know what gender affirming health care is, and we can't blame them for that. They weren't taught that and so taking a step back and being like hey listen this is what we're actually talking about you might not even have a problem with this if you understood what was literally happening at these doctor appointments you know Mm -hmm.
1: kelly so much of your campaign is um feels to me like it's educational and Mm -hmm. do, do you feel like that is that's the key to kind of overcoming the um Lack of voter participation that that we have in the state, and do you think that that is a, a model for you know that other campaigns ought to be ought to be trying and, and going after?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, part I think back to when I was pretty politically apathetic, it was because I did not feel educated enough to know what I was doing, and so I didn't want to be involved. That mm-hmm. felt irresponsible to me. I remember going to the poll. I would go vote, you know, like in presidential mm-hmm. elections and stuff, and I would skip a lot yeah. of sections. Right. sections. So like, I don't know anything yeah. about either of these people. So it feels irresponsible for me to vote at all. And if I was feeling that way, right. I know other people are feeling that way. So yeah, I think education is a huge, huge part of it. And I mean, I just had an experience just this weekend where I, w- I was checking into a hotel and the lady's asking what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually here doing some campaigning stuff today and tomorrow. And she was like, oh, well tell me about your campaign. And so I did a little bit, I go up to my room and then she actually calls the room and she's like, "Miss Kraut, would you would you actually come back downstairs? I have some questions for you. And I was like, <laughs> and she was like, I'm a Republican. I always voted Republican. Me and my family were all Republicans. And I saw what you stand for. And I actually like this. And I had a couple of questions and we had like this lovely hmm. civil conversation. She had never spoken to a candidate before ever. Hmm. And she was like, Oh, this person's not yeah. the, you know, demonic yeah. presence. I thought They might be. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't know Demon stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. That's really something. Awesome. How you, how did you get so
2: pleasant. And yeah. so I love being able to have conversations like that with people who have really not had access to a candidate
0: yeah. to actually
2: interact with you face-to-face.
0: You know, one of the things yeah. that we do our framing around, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this because it feels like you're doing this uh, so well, it, it, are these three areas, one of those being education. People need to know something they didn't know. They want some information. They just feel uninformed. But then there's this other piece, which is they need an invitation. Like someone needs to say, join me. And then there needs Mm -hmm. to be a community of participation they can feel part of. And that story of the, the person at that, at that hotel feels like that, right? There was some like, oh, this person, Kelly is standing here in my lobby and I could join her. Like, She's the thing I, that that I could join. It feels like Democrats spend a lot of time on the education and information side. I think we all tend to be people who believe that you know education is power and knowledge is power, and that will change people. And Republicans mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on the invitation and the join our group and be feel very reinforced that there's a, a group okay. that they're part of. And there's a lot of people who don't want to be in that world and they feel a little bit lost. Do, do you have any thoughts about that in politics? Is any of that ring true with you? Do you think we need in, invitation uh, yeah. and participation as much as the information education side?
2: That's an interesting take. And I, I'm going to simmer on that one a little bit, but I do think that that might explain why using something like TikTok has been pretty mm-hmm. successful for me because yeah. that's people aren't even having to get off the app that they were playing on in the first place. And then they get to feel a part of a movement. And we've kind of created this little community where like people will buy a Kelly shirt that they link to off of TikTok, And then they're at the grocery store in Conway and somebody else is like, Oh wait, I follow Kelly. And then they're making connections across the state. And I don't, I don't even know these people individually, but I'm being able to, to have the position of a connector, which is making people feel a part of a group, which I think has a lot of potential Mm -hmm. to, to shift things in the state. And it's, it's a real honor. It's surreal and bizarre to hear those stories. But when you look at it from like a psychology standpoint like that, like when you feel like you're part of a group, it it feels more powerful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, let's talk about the TikTok thing. Um, like, were you on TikTok before the campaign or like it, did did you dream about being a social media influencer <laughs> like what how, yes ever since I was how a did, child
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was a child how
1: does this, how does was, this happen uh, how does this happen that you are uh, i mean i think TikTok and i think a I, I i don't know how old you are i i i think me personally i am too old to be on TikTok um okay. and uh <laughs> how did all that come about
2: listen i'm almost 40 okay i'm not i'm not too old to be on tiktok so you're not too old to be on tiktok and i've actually done kind of some deep dives on the research and there's i mean yes the majority are are you know 18 to, to 30 but there are good chunks of people in in older age groups that are that are on tiktok but it very much what i downloaded it at the beginning of the pandemic like a lot of people just like i'm stuck at home i'm just you know messing around on this thing. And then the more I was paying attention, I was like, Ooh, you could use, you could use this style to explain a platform. You could use this trend to make a joke about this issue and and bring awareness to it. And so I just sort of started paying attention to what other people were doing. And that's all TikTok is, is like trends that go over and over little, you know, meme culture, basically mm-hmm. that you, you shift in to fit your niche. And so I was one of the only politicians doing it at the time and it kind of it kind of caught on and it was a fresh idea and people have an idea of what politicians are in their head and it's not somebody who's doing trends on tiktok and so i think again it was just sort of the novelty of it like oh this girl's doing something kind of different i'm going to follow along and then a couple of videos take off that brought kind of a bizarre following it still is very strange to me that that many people will tune in to see what i'm up to but it's been really really cool and beneficial to a campaign Mm. to I mean, we immediately, when we launched, had over 300 volunteers sign up across the whole state because people were like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be a part of this. I'm already following oh, her. So interesting.
1: Yep.
2: really cool yep. tool. Uh,
1: your sons, they shake your head. They shake their heads at you like on TikTok. I, I, I just I know my own kids and they're just like, oh, dad. Like, <laughs> I,
0: do, you, do you get that from your boys?
2: You know, some of them, uh, the little ones, I don't think really understand. Like the reason <laughs> of some of these, still um, love their mom.
0: Yeah, they're little boys.
2: Yeah, my high schooler is kind of like mom. My friends are watching, like act right, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, I try not, I try not to be too embarrassing. But then he'll be in TikToks with me every now and then, so he's mm-hmm. clearly not, you know, totally ashamed. But yeah. they they tease me about it a little bit. But it's neat when we're out and about. We go out to dinner, and then someone's like, "Oh, hey, I support your campaign. I've been following you," and they're like, "Wait." people, people are watching this stuff. And so it's been kind of fun for me with the kids to watch other people, you know, interact like in public because they've been following. And then the kids are like, Oh, maybe that's cooler than I, than I thought it
1: was. Yeah. Well, it seems like a really uh, smart, smart what's been, what's been different about campaigning? I mean, this is your second race, but you know, take, take people inside like the real life of a candidate. Like what, what would be what would be a surprise to folks in terms of like what what this is actually like
2: I think people would be surprised how much time you spend on the phone calling people and asking for money, um, which is, yeah. you know, really awkward at first. But I've had some really fun conversations that way. That is a time consuming labor of love, though. So there's a lot there's a lot of on the phone. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to create, you know, hey, how can I how can I talk about this topic in a way that is not divisive, that brings people together, that educates? You know, I, I do spend a lot of time on the creative side of it. And then now doing a statewide campaign, especially now that some COVID restrictions are a little bit, you know, more chill, we are on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. And Arkansas is a yeah. small state in theory, but when you live in the very northwest corner of it, mm-hmm. going to the other corner of it, that's a long day. So, it's a it's a time-consuming thing to travel to travel about. It's got a lot of moving pieces. My state rep race, I pretty much got to control every piece of it because it was small and it was during a a pandemic. So everything was a little bit different. This I've had to delegate a bunch of stuff out, which for a control freak is, is a little bit more difficult. Um, so that's just been, that's been a learning curve for me of like, okay, yes, no, you totally take care of that. And I will try not to worry about it.
0: <laughs> so it's great that yeah. you're able to connect with so many people that feel, uh, outside the system. How is the actual democratic apparatus system in Arkansas? though, because, you know, it's, it's really hard to win any election with just people outside the system, right? You, you need all the structure. Uh, how, how, how is it, how is it going? And what, what help do you need? I mean, this is our time. We want people to know about it. We want am to send you money. We want them to show up and help or get on some list, but, but what's, okay. how does it looking in the structure and system of the, the, the parts of this, process that are supposed to help a candidate like you? Is it, is it built out? Is it, is it missing? What's the story?
2: No, that, that, that's a good question. And, you know, for another sports metaphor, we're kind of, we've, we've been a rebuilding, a rebuilding year. We've been working, you know, we've got some different uh, leadership in the democratic party. They've been working hard to get us out of debt and, you know, really engage county parties. And another piece of what has been exciting about getting to engage volunteers for my campaign is that we're plugging them into their local party and go get involved here. And so like, if I say, Hey, I'm going to Garland County, y'all show up if you want to, people will show up to support me. And then they're getting plugged in with the people in their area. So it's kind of building little Mm -hmm. coalitions. And so I feel like the party is really starting to rally together and, you know, getting more organized about how they can help. And, and I'm, I'm just seeing a lot of supporting other candidates and lifting each other up and Hey, come to my thing and I'll come to your thing and and just getting to all be there for each other. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about the direction that the party is going in arkansas of course it
0: needs help there was a time when arkansas was a democratic state you know i mean it's starting to sound like what old people say you know way back in the way back in the 90s it wasn't that long ago it wasn't but it wasn't but truly it wasn't that long ago and that's part of you know our thinking around here is that you know 20 years ago or sometimes even 40 years ago isn't impossible to remember and we can think about what things will be like in 20 years and 40 years from now right so the things we do actually build that that future that we're, that we're talking about. Do you feel like Arkansas is starting to move where statewide a person with a D next to their name on a ballot can win? Or is this, um, Hey, you're going to have to really overcome some, some systemic and societal odds for this election.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I think it's definitely moving. And it always does. And I think it will move back Democratic. And then I think it will move back to Republican, like, because that's just how politics goes, it ebbs and it flows. And one of the pieces of kind of education that I like to provide is people are always like, oh, it's a red state, you know, you can't win. I'm like, okay, one, not a red state. It's a non-voting state. We had a million people who could have voted in the last election who did not. You can flip anything with a million dadgum votes and just helping people <laughs> understand that things ebb and they flow mm-hmm. and getting people involved at every part of the process. I, I can imagine a scenario where we win. I can absolutely imagine a scenario where a statewide race is able to help support down ballot races. And we're focusing a lot of our field campaign and some of these battleground legislative seats. We have several that are very very winnable, and you know you talk about a lot of it's baby steps, it's incremental steps. But our biggest thing we got to do right now is break that supermajority. It's only going to take three or four seats, I think, mm. to break the supermajority, and we had three or four seats in the last election that were won or lost by around forty. Or less votes, one by seventeen votes, and so when you can really zoom in to you matter as a human, and your literal vote matters because if your vote can help flip a district that flips the supermajority, now you've impacted the whole state of Arkansas. Yeah. So we're talking about infrastructure and campaigns, and investing in the state as a whole by investing in a statewide campaign mm-hmm. that's able
0: to vote. do. You have a target number you talk about. Do you know how many voters it's are going to vote in this election by your estimates, and how many you have to have? Do you do, you do those numbers? are you somebody talks about things like in those in those uh terms
2: somebody's doing those numbers yes no i know based on the last election i believe our win number is four 400,037 or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but hopefully we get a lot more voters out this time. So mm-hmm. that number would need to be higher. Uh, we'd have to, to talk to my numbers person. Yeah.
0: Do you, do you <laughs> i expect-
2: on making those phone calls and show it up. And no, so that's okay. Yeah. You know, I
0: know it, some please. candidates keep that in the front of their mind and some candidates say, I have people that keep that. And that's, that's totally yeah. The
2: goal is yeah. we want a whole lot more voters. So that number would be different. Well, that's
0: why I was wondering because mm-hmm. the, um, a presidential election, which you were running in, in 2020, uh, has mm-hmm. a totally different psychology and turnout right. model. You know these kinds of midterm elections, and now yeah, I get it that it's statewide, but still there are a lot of voters who were like you and like a lot of us who are like I vote when the president's running. I didn't even know there right. were other times when other people vote. You know we call them off year elections yeah. or midterm elections or all this. You know but these uh, all these. This little- isn't
2: a tip- midterm election though, because we've had redistricting. So every single state Senate seat is up, every single state rep seat is up, and then we've got the governor up. And so, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more exciting midterm mm-hmm. election Great. than usual. So I think we'll have more, a bigger turnout than we would typically see.
0: Do, who, who do you, who are you, who are you running against? Um, you know, oftentimes people say, well, if not you, then whom? And I get it that in some ways it's whatever, whichever these seven candidates are going to win the, the Republican nomination. Mm-hmm. But in people's minds, like, are you running against bad politics? How, how do you, how, how do they, th- how, how do they see, it? like, who's your opponents here in people's minds or even maybe in your campaign's mind?
2: Well, I mean, my literal opponents are Leslie Rutledge and Jason Rapert, Joseph Wood, Chris Beckett. Uh, Greg Bledsoe and Doyle Webb. I think mm-hmm. that's all of them. It's uh, there's several, yeah. <laughs> and then I think Frank Gilbert is a, uh, okay. a the independent. So so there's a lot, but I mean a big picture. I think that the the opponent is kind of this this new wave mm-hmm. of Republican politics that is all about destroying the radical left, and and it's just not it's just not a thing here in Arkansas. What we just need to be helping people. <laughs> we need to stop picking on tiny vulnerable groups of people yeah. and focus on hey, what helps the majority of Arkansans, and so um just friendly messaging you know we're working on that
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i love that i think that's i think that's really wise and really really great because i think that's where a lot of people are you know they don't want the opponent to only be the other party they want the opponent to be the bad things that influence us that politics can make better you know that's the that's the thing they want
2: I like to think a lot of like, I am fighting hard against this just nastiness in politics. I am bringing civility. You're not going to see me be ugly um, to people on the internet or anywhere. Like it's just, we can't get kind, decent humans to run for office Mm -hmm. in the political atmosphere that we have created because kind, decent humans don't want anything to do with that. They have feelings. And so you've got to kind of develop a thick skin to, to be able to jump into this arena. So we've got to change the the dynamic.
1: Kelly yeah. really shameless plug. How, uh, how can people follow you? Where can they find you? How can they donate to your campaign? How, how does all that work?
2: I am more than happy to answer that. I am super easy to find. I'm Kelly for Arkansas everywhere. So Kelly with a Y for Arkansas.com. And I'm tiktok uh twitter instagram facebook i'm I'm all the places just search kelly for arkansas and you ought to be able to track me down and there's easy links to donate at all of those places and i say all the time if everybody does a little no one has to do a lot say it to my kids all the time they get super sick of it but that's how we build a grassroots campaign that's how we have a movement that can actually shift the dynamic here in arkansas by getting a lot of people on board and so anything is super appreciated
0: how much money do you have to raise for a lieutenant governor run in arkansas
2: You know, there's not a, there's not a specific number. Our, our goal budget right now is like $750,000. Our stretch Mm -hmm. is more like a million to be Mm -hmm. able to do the kind of TV and radio ads that Mm -hmm. my opponents will certainly do. I can tell you they've got a whole lot more money in the bank than I do right now. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) So
2: we're, we're working at it. We're plugging away and people have been really generous. So.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. I think it's good for people to know, right? A a lot of, we like this little phrase that a small hinge can open a really big door. And in some ways I'm sure. for you to say $700,000 or a million dollars for your, I mean, that feels like a lot to people like, like all is that, of us, it is. but then it is you look at how much people spend on political stuff and they'll spend $2 million on an ad campaign, you know, just for some mm-hmm. run of TV ads for six days. And then it's just spent and it's gone. So the amount of money that does get spent is powerful and spending smart money, spending money wow. in ways that, that has real impact that's yeah. that that's a different thing. So I think it's helpful for people to to realize that wow, because if someone can make a $25, $100, $500 contribution, well that's a bigger impact on the total than if somebody's got to raise, you know. because you hear these crazy numbers that people are uh, are are spending and and we're just wow. it's it's out of control. Uh, I try to do a
2: lot of educating on that piece too. Like people want to know where their money is going. Like I want you to feel good about giving me your money. I want you to trust that I'm going to be a good steward of your money. You can ask anyone on my campaign team. I am so freaking cheap. Like I am really picky about how we spend it because I understand $25 is a lot of money to somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just like explaining, Hey, signs, signs cost money. Those things you get in the mail. Those are wildly expensive (laughs) to get your name out there. You have to put money behind it. And I'm coming in here without political, you know, experience really. I don't have the kind of name recognition that that a standing legislator or mm-hmm. office holder has. So we're gonna to have to work twice as hard.
0: So glad you're running. Can't wait for you to be the lieutenant governor of uh, Arkansas and thanks for being with us today. Yeah.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you yeah. for the invite.
0: Thanks, Kelly. Kelly for arkansas.com.org dot, dot org, TikTok, all the all the spots, all the places. Doug, I, I feel like I say this every
1: time after we talk to a candidate. I, I'm just constantly amazed the caliber of people that have that are offering themselves now now granted we're curating this list and we're not bringing you know folks the duds but (laughs) but these are just (laughs) these are just amazing people who are Mm -hmm. running for office that the country would do better if someone like kelly is is serving in office
0: Yep. So good. Well, anybody listening, hope you're thinking about running. I don't know. Maybe maybe you didn't even know lieutenant governor was a thing, and somebody's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run for lieutenant governor. How about that? Somebody's going to go home. Their 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 spouse is going to hand them a phone and say, you have to listen to this. You have to do this. You have to run for office. Hey, uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, in fact, in the same little channel where you're watching all this, you get a little special today. It's a uh, there's a there's an afternoon bonus episode with Gretchen Barton. So, um, you know, just, just don't, don't turn off your social media feeds from the vote common good or from the Christian left, uh, world ever. Uh, keep it all, keep it all flowing. All right, friends, we will, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Bye everybody.